For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Tiger fans, welcome to episode 215 of the official Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club podcast, bringing you all the latest news, updates, and buzz surrounding your mighty JSU Tigers. I am the Corey C. Be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast to be notified of all future episodes. Apple Podcast listeners, rate and review the show and everyone. Follow Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club on Facebook and Tiger Talk 1400 on Instagram and Twitter. It all helps the cause, which is B.I. Love, Jackson State University. And today I'm joined by Mike B. What up, Mike? B. Corsi, what's going on, man? Swag champion Mike B, how you feeling, man? You haven't been a swag oh, champion man. in a while. It's been a minute, man. It's been a, it's been a minute. It's uh, it's almost surreal, and um, but it's it's a great feeling. I'm on cloud nine right now, or cloud twenty one, as Zoe would say. Exactly. <laughs> All right, man. We have a special guest with us today. We want to reflect on this championship, but as I stated earlier, it's been a while since we won a swag championship. It's been fourteen years, as a matter of fact. That last championship came in two thousand seven. So we wanted to reach out to a player from that 2017 to talk about that team, talk about this season, and also talk about that downtime in between. This special guest is the 2007 SWAC Championship Game Defensive MVP. He's a 2008 first-team All-SWAC selection, and he is a retired NFL veteran. You know who we're talking about. He's been on the show before. Welcome back, Dominique DJ Johnson. Man, how y'all doing? How y'all doing? Doing good, doing good, doing well. Welcome back. Man, it's good to be back. Uh, been keeping up with the show, listening. It was one of the things I, I look forward to during the week. So it's good to be back on here. All right, we're glad to have you, man. We said we'd bring you back on. Now, you told us you were going to come back on when we beat a Power 5 team. We haven't played one. <laughs> so we'll bring you back. <laughs> we'll bring you back then. Sure. Be it, man. We just want to reflect on this season and reflect back to that 2007 championship when we won that game and I had we have to wait this long for another one so reflecting back mm. we, ref, we we cherish that team now more than ever because of the drought so uh just from your perspective man you know again you want you were on that team when you think about the talent on the team during that time during that era and the success of the program historically would you have ever thought that it would be 14 years before we won another championship no because remember we lost in 08 I thought we was gonna win in 08 too so, <laughs> so I mean, I, I didn't think that it would take that long. That talent-wise, definitely didn't because, again, as we said earlier, uh, when I was on the show earlier, Comedy was, I mean, Dion has done great with bringing in the names, the high-profile names, but Comedy was one of the originators as far as, for me, bringing in Power 5 transfers True. and making an immediate impact. So we had a whole bunch. We had guys, Tennessee, Notre Dame, me from Missouri, Southern Miss. You know, Jimmy could have went anywhere, but Jimmy stayed home in Mississippi. Like, we, we had Ohio State, two Ohio State guys on the team. So we had people from 
big school come in. So the talent was there. And as I said, coming from a power five school, coming to uh, FCS, coming to HBCU, I was surprised by the skill play as far as the skill guys and the talent. But the biggest difference I noticed was in the line play. And that's what we were able to do with the 07 team, bring in D linemen that were better than what we were seeing. Right, right. We had Corey Clark and some, some of those guys, yeah. You had Brooks down there. You had uh, Speaks always on the back end. I cannot think of Wolfmouth name. That's what I call him. I can't think. But uh, <laughs> you had it from – he from Michigan. I can't think of his name. Whoa, number 80, Marcus Bernard. We had Bernard, Marcus Bernard yeah. on the team, and Marcus was getting all the sacks. Oh, yeah, DJ. I definitely agree with that. It's, uh, we had those guys, like you said, Marcus Bernard, Corey Clark, and we were able to – uh, dominate those uh, offensive fronts. Uh, I mean, the swag, and this will make that team so special. Uh, coming to and being able to uh, bring all those guys in, and um, he showed an ability to do that year after year. So, uh, the fact that we never won another swag championship under under coming that that that's definitely a surprise to me. I never would have thought it would, it would have taken this long. Of course, we went back in two thousand eight. We went in uh in the 20, 2013, 2014. Those teams came up a little bit short, but. But, man, 14 years, I didn't see that coming. So, DJ, from your perspective, what do you think went wrong after that time? Because, again, we went back in 2008 and we never would have expected there to be a drought. So is there anything you can pinpoint to say, okay, this is kind of where we start to go in a different direction or the wrong direction? Well, uh, for me, the the games, the other games that we had, I think the 13 game, the one that was the last one that was in Houston, we was right. a pretty close game. I thought we yeah. had it won. I, matter of fact, that's the one where we caught the pass and it was like out of bounds when we thought we had yep. it won. Yep. So, you know, I think everything was still going smooth there. I think, but I also think that we, as an institution, we are the, we are the Alabama HBCUs. Mm-hmm. We expect to win and win now. And, and when that's not the case, we get antsy and we want to make a change. And not to say that he had got complacent, but I think when we transitioned from Comedy to other coaches, they couldn't they couldn't win. I mean, it's just it's a proven fact. They couldn't win. It didn't seem like their recruits or what or their methodology worked out for us. So I I think the transitioning without not without having a clear cut plan and then transitioning to having, to me, recycling coaches, HBC coaches, is what put us in a stalemate. Yeah, it's true. We had, um, you know, we, we had a, some coaches that came in that didn't really have, you know, much head coaching experience, you know, um, at all. So when, uh, and that's why I think a lot of fans were apprehensive about Coach Prime coming in at first because uh, they were seeing these other coaches coming in trying to hand it coaching for the first time. And, um, you know, the, the JSU fan base was a little little traumatized by that. But uh, Coach Prime came in and showed that he could put a good product on the field. And just like Comedy did, he went out and, and got some dogs, went and got some uh, power five transfers. And then he maximized the potential of the, of the players that were already on the team. And that's why we had the results that we've had so far. And I, right. and I agree. Right. And I was one of the people that were apprehensive. And I felt the man that deserved it. A chance I had been to see him as a referee in Texas. I've seen him and I've seen Shadur on seven on seven field. I've seen how he interacted with his with his son in general, and even, even me and Dion at times have had conversations about because I have a son who's just a junior in high school. Like, how are you getting your sons to play for you? And how you matter of fact, how you? I asked him a specific question. I don't know if you remember this. How are you separating home from football? Because that's the big issue I was having. Like, how do I separate being mm-hmm. his daddy and having that? And then if something happened on the football field, like, how do I separate the two? You know what I mean? So that was something that I had already seen. That, but I was apprehensive of it because when you when you come with a big name, which has proven to be very financially uh, beneficial to our city and to our school, when you come with a big name, a lot is expected of you. But he right. came in and he came in working which is what I admire and I'm, and I'm most grateful for regardless of when he leaves and I'm, I'm hoping he don't leave anytime soon, but regardless of when he leaves, he's going to leave Jackson state 
better than what he came in with. And that was what I was apprehensive of. But it, the results are proven right now. So, so with being a coach uh, who coaches your son, and you said you got that advice from him, talk about that advice and how you've seen that translate over with him and his sons at Jackson State. Like, how has he handled that? What have you learned from that? Because a lot of people, a lot of the naysayers, a lot of the doubters, and a lot of more just haters, to be honest, who saw what would potentially happen with Jackson State having Coach Prime as the coach, and they didn't want to see us be successful. So they were saying, oh, he's playing daddy ball. He's uh, he's you know already announced Shadur as the starter. Shadur hasn't proven himself. So he went out on a limb. But looking back, I wouldn't even say going out on a limb. He knew what he – he had the confidence to put to make Shadur the starter before he ever snapped the football, and he was right. That was the right decision. So just talk about how you saw him balance that being a father and being a coach, at, especially at this level. Well, when you when you look at – People, people have to believe in their kids. If you don't have no, if you don't have no faith in your kid, I expect your kid to have faith in themselves. That, and first and foremost, but you gotta think that's Dion. That's Dion. He's always had faith in himself. He's always been very confident in himself, and he's given that, or he's passed that down to his children. But you gotta mm-hmm. also remember, Shadur has had the benefit of being around Troy Aikman. He can call Tom Brady. He's been around mm-hmm. the best minds at that position. And right. able Manning. to see those minds, peak those minds. Peyton Manning is like he's able to to learn from them and figure out all that. So he's been at an advantage from that standpoint. But then when you come back to Daddy Ball, I feel that the man makes everyone earn it. Whether it's his child or not. And what people are not seeing and what we didn't see is gotta remember Shadur was there all spring. So right. Shadur has been on the field throwing the ball, making them reads. He's been – Shadur has been securing where he was going to be. He's been on the field already battling it out for the starting spot, even though he couldn't play this spring. So it ain't it ain't something to me that was given to him. He went out and earned it. I feel that's the way he did it with all – make everyone earn it. Just as Vince is the biggest one, and I don't know personally the situation, I feel like that's where he's been doing with Nuggets. With mm-hmm. DJ Warren, and he's treating him like a kid. He's making him – you came in with, with high accolades and everything, but he's making you earn everything you got because when you get to the NFL, them accolades don't mean nothing. Yes, guaranteed money means something, mm-hmm. but you still got to go out there and, and beat somebody to, to be the dog, to be the starter. And then once you become that guy, now they're bringing in somebody else to come and beat you. So how do you maintain that mentality? And I think that's what he's doing with the guys that he's brought in. And so having been taking that advice, I'm like that with my with my son. I just had to leave work at work and just mm-hmm. talk about different things, start telling me, and I was real bad for not saying I love you to my older son. So telling him I love you more, start just giving him just general advice, having general conversations. But at the same time, I'm still trying to push him to be great, but that's what he, that's the biggest thing I took out of the advice I got from Dion was uh, Cody. I, <laughs> the biggest I guess, advice I got from him was to be a daddy first. Now, when you have that opportunity, like when it's time to, to be coach, be coach. But when you're, when you at home and you got everything else, be a daddy. So t- talk about a little bit more about that competition. Cause we haven't seen this at the swag level and especially at Jack State having this much competition. Typically, if we get a Dijon Warren, he's your day one starter, no ifs, ands, buts about it. As long as he's healthy, he's playing. <laughs> but he has to battle. He has to fight for his position, compete for his position every week in practice. Now, you came from Missouri. You've been at the Power Five, and, of course, you played in the NFL. Is that how it is on those levels? Do you have to compete week in, game in and game out? Because the man behind you is just as good, usually. So not not necessarily at the Power Five. Well, I, not in Missouri. That wasn't the case in Missouri, but that may be the case in Alabama where they have everybody coming in as a five-star. That wasn't the case in mm-hmm. Missouri. We, When I first got there, he played some – he had a three-man rotation. He ran with them seniors, and I had to beat one of them out to start sitting in the field. And eventually, that redshirt freshman year, I ended up starting a few games. So you you had to earn it there, but when, at, the, at the NFL – you got to earn it the whole time, especially depending on how you come in. Dion went in as a, a first rounder, 
and no doubt he worked his tail off. He earned everything he went, he got. I came in undrafted. So I was looking at people every Tuesday come in to the indoor facility, try out for the team. I was looking at guys beside me change all the time. You, you know, it's like having a new friend every time, having a new neighbor. Oh, this neighbor don't never stay here long. <laughs> and that's the com- that's the competition level on the pros when you're when you're not a high salary guy or a guaranteed money guy. When you fighting to be right. on the fifty three, when you fighting to be on the fifty three, that's just how it is. You're fighting every day to be on the fifty three because every day they're looking at for somebody to replace you. If I could pay, if I got to pay you one million dollars, and I could pay this other cat five hundred thousand, and y'all gonna give me the same production, I'm going with the five hundred thousand all day and that's how it is working now i see him translating that especially with having the pro coaches i see them translating that and shaping our young athletes mind now to show that it's it's a grind every day you have to go out and get it literally every day especially if you want to be on the level that you claiming you want to be now if you just all talk and that ain't what you want to be you're gonna get your shot initially yeah but then you're going you're gonna to give it up because you're going to get complacent. And I think what he's doing with the Houston, with the, especially with Warren, because that's who I, I watched real heavy this year, I, mm-hmm. what I think he's doing with him is shaping his mind to where he, he's going to be a dog. And now he's he going to understand every day I step between these lines or I'm sitting in this meeting room, I'm going to be on point. I'm going to be on my toes. I'm going to be ready for whatever they got coming. And whoever steps beside me, we fit to go at it. And we can smile and be friends later, but it's all about winning and it's all about production. And that's the biggest thing. You got to produce, you got to be consistent, consistent production. They don't want someone that's going to produce here and there. Sometimes they want you to produce on a routine basis. And I think that's what he's doing at Jackson state, which is why I think the guys are starting to, to be more competitive. And I'm just going to lay this out there. Mm -hmm. I hate the transfer portal. I hate the transfer portal. I hate what it's done to football. I hate what it's allowing kids to do. Okay, because talk, it's talk allowing to some, It's allowing some kids to be quitters. And by quit, mean they're spoiled. They want everything given to them without putting in the work. And what I mean by that is they want it's instant gratitude. I was a post-star. I was whatever. So now when, I, when I'm coming, I'm coming to Jackson State, so I ought to be an automatic starter. No. That ain't how it works. You ought to want to go somewhere where you have to compete and earn the right to be the guy. You don't want to go somewhere and be given something because then when they take it from you, you feel like you shouldn't. Have, it shouldn't have been took. Like it's ought to been mine. Go somewhere and fight for some guys to take the spot. Now, now I get it. The transfer portal, the way it was set up, was to allow some some people opportunities to go elsewhere and get a chance at doing it. But what I what I'm saying is. The upper echelon kids, those five stars, those guys that have been producing, they're going to get their opportunities. Those guys that ain't did nothing and haven't earned any rights or haven't produced any stats, they're being left in purgatory sitting there in the transport portal with nowhere to go. So you done gave up a free education for, for nothing in return. So you done came and told everybody that, yeah, I'm chasing, I'm chasing this education this free education and hoping to get to the end which the nfl is the dream the education is the goal so you you talking about you chasing the goal but the whole time you're really chasing the nfl and using the education just as an excuse so i hate i hate what the portal has transferred uh or transformed into now because it's just recruiting all over and as a high school coach i'm sitting here trying to help get high school kids recruited but you have institutions that have, are completely skipping recruiting high schoolers because they only want kids mm-hmm. out the portal, which mm-hmm. I, I kind of understand that too. You want someone that you don't have to teach the game. You want someone that's more mature and physically able to help you win and win now because coaching is a win and win now environment. So, you know, the, the portal has, it has is good, but it also has bad. And I just want kids to, to understand that you want to work for everything that you get. And then sometimes it's better to sit there and 
get that degree than jump in the portal and think you're going somewhere and fit to go play. Yeah. So what, um, what was the process like? Uh, let me let me ask this real quick, Mike. I, I want to follow up that because yeah. there wasn't a quote unquote transfer portal back in your day. So what was the process like then? What was the difference? Uh, what were the differences? What are the similarities? Like, did you have something lined up before you decided to transfer or, or just kind of walk us through that? Because like you said, a lot of times these kids enter the transfer portal and they're just out there because there's so many names in the portal now and they end up losing the scholarship and not playing football anymore. Correct. So for me, it was it was different. I didn't have anything guaranteed, but also it was a different time in 2006, 2007. So when you're leaving from a, a P5 school, you're going to have options on the FCS level. So I knew that I was leaving. I wanted to get closer to home. But also the coach pretty much told me, he was like, A, I'm not releasing you to a P5 school. So I couldn't go to another Power 5. And then if you go to – if I would have went to another FBS school at the time, well, FBS now, I would have had to sit another year because we didn't have the, the – uh, rule or the exception to transfer and be eligible. So I would have right. had to sit another year. So I didn't want to do that. And they were pretty much like, you tell us five schools you're interested in and we'll call, we'll contact them and let you know that you were interested in going to them schools. And I went all HBCUs mm. in the South. So it was Tennessee State, Jackson State, Grambling, uh, Southern, and then McNeese is not HBCU, but then McNeese. Mm-hmm. so I did that and then as far as lining up options like I said it came down to Tennessee State and Jackson State and I picked Jackson State well I ended up the Brooks took me to free lines and I committed in free lines <laughs> that's another story <laughs> hey Mike B committed at free lines in the 12th grade as well <laughs> so he knows it <laughs> nah, yeah, I think, they, I think they it was the catwalk back then yeah yeah, catwalk. That's what I was about to say. It was one of them. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, so you talk a lot about uh, Dijon, man. Nugget, one of the guys you watch. Any other guys you like on this team or your favorites to watch? I man, Shadur can play. Shadur can play. Can flat out play, which is what I love the most about it. He can flat out play. He can throw that thing. The receivers, all the receivers, play are playing very well. Uh, the defense as a whole is playing, but that boy, that number twelve, that number twelve can go. Mm-hmm. He can go, mm-hmm. and he he's a young buck, so he's gonna be around for a while. He can go. I mean, yeah. he's one of our better defenders on the backside. Uh, I wish we had a little bit more with the running game. I I kind of like where we kind of we kind of got like a a power slash speed game going. I I wish we were more productive there, so we didn't have to throw the ball as much. That allow us to set up some things, but I, overall, from the whole overall aspect of the team, I love everything that I'm seeing with Jackson State right now. So, would you say Shadur uh, exceeded your expectations of him as a freshman, or um, or met your expectations? Of, what, what do you think of that? He's completely exceeded, but he's done it. He's done everything the right way. He's completely exceeded all expectations that I ever had for him. He's handled himself. He's handled the media correctly. The young man has done. He's just been himself, and he's just to me. He's a real. He's his daddy's child, all the way over and over. Besides him cracking that joke about him running and everything, which I I do see the difference. Outside of that joke, <laughs> that young man is his dad. He's his daddy's child. The the confidence, sure. the swagger, all of that, and I'm. I'm happy that we have a child or we have players like that on our team that can do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, DJ, we set a record this season for home attendance. Uh, what, what do you think of that crowd, man, that atmosphere at the Vet? And what are some of your more memorable games and biggest crowds that you played in front of at the Vet? Man, I, I love the atmosphere that that was set uh, as far as the – attendance and all that go. I, I personally came to homecoming. I was at the SWAC championship. I'm going to be in Atlanta. So it, it, was, it was great to be around. Uh, I'm one of the guys. I don't really like to be on the sideline. I wouldn't mind it, but I don't, I don't care to be on the sideline. 
I sit by the other school's band and and hackle the band. You know, that's that's my flavor. <laughs> but other than that, man, it was it it felt like this last weekend the Swag Championship felt like a homecoming, like homecoming of a, a family reunion. It felt like a family reunion. It just was great. Yeah. Yeah, and the GSC yeah, is uh, doing the same thing for the uh, Celebration Bowl in, in Atlanta. It's, we're we're calling it uh, Homecoming Two. So so yeah, we're gonna see that same energy again in Atlanta. It yeah, is. Atlanta. And as far as the crowd, when you're asking about the crowd, not to cut y'all off, the '08, the '08 uh, Southern and Jack State game. I'll be honest, I had never been a part of a big as a crowd like that as far as our people. And to see it and to 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 feel the atmosphere, even the old seven game when we went down to to Van Rouge and popped them up down there, that atmosphere, those those, that was fun to be around. So the seven game and the uh, Capital City Classic, those are two of the games that, as far as attendance and being the crowd and atmosphere, those are some of the best ones I played in in college. Period. This team has uh, set a record for single season wins with eleven. And we still have one more game to go, so we could get to 12. Uh, talk about the challenges of, of winning 11 games in a season. How hard, how hard is that? How special is that? Some people don't realize how difficult it is to get a team together and, and be that successful. I think it's, I think it's great, man. Uh, having I'm a high school coach, and high school and college is completely different, but we went 9-3. and three. We lost three games this year by a total of 13 points. Three games by a total of 13 mm. points. So, you know, and we lost in the second round on last-minute field goal, uh, so 22-21. But it's, every game is hard. It's, yes, we have the opponents that we feel we po- we're supposed to beat, that we're going to beat. So I'm going to say a school name, TSU. I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to pop TSU. But we also mm. start slow. This team is was a slow starter. And – once we we would start slow and get behind the kind of get behind the eight ball and it's a second to me it's a second half team. Once the second half come, they like a completely different team. So it, every winning one game is hard, let alone winning eleven with a chance to win a twelfth game. And it it takes so much because if you're self scouting yourself, you know what you do well and you know what you you don't do well. But when you the further you get along in the, the year. The more other, the more games other people have of you, and on on the different Facebook pages of just JSU fans and stuff, I wanted to I try to get everyone to understand. Then during the spring, like be realistic. Dion got here in December. We're getting ready to start it. He got a bunch of kids coming in. You know how hard it is to get a team of in a team of eleven separate people on each side of the ball. So now you're talking about twenty two kids to play together as, as one when they only been around each other for a few months. Like that's, that's not an mm-hmm. easy thing to do. So everyone's going off to what happened, what happened during the spring, what happened in the spring. I was like the spring to me. And I understand it's a swag. I understand they want the championships. They want all that. The spring to me was spring ball. It was spring ball. Cause that's where you're learning what they're doing. That's where this team is starting to jail. This is where this team is learning and how you're running the program. This is where you're also going through your learning phases as a coach of what's going to work here, what's not going to work here, what I need to change. So you got your kids, you got your old kids, is their older kids, or meaning the other uh, coaches' recruits, the other coaches' players. They're sitting there like, dang, it's a new coach. This is the way we do stuff. So I ain't changing the way I do stuff. So then they get the coaching shot like, that ain't going to work here. So I'm leaving because it ain't it ain't what I wanted to be. There's the other kids that okay I'm gonna stick it out here I'm gonna try to, but then they realize the amount of talent coming in, like uh oh, mm-hmm. so I'm not gonna be playing. So you know it's it's a whole bunch of different things, a whole bunch of different factors that came into it. But I people may not understand this, but the key to this, the key to this year was this spring, because they had all the downfalls. He, they learned how to travel, and they being in the coaches and some of the players, they learned how to travel. The players and the coaches learned each other, so they formed their relationships. 
they form the trust and the bond that they have with each other to where now I can get on some of these kids and they know it's coming from a place of love and not me just trying to come on. Because when you first come into an organization and you're trying to change it, especially when it's been bad, you're gonna, you have to crack the whip sometimes. Sometimes you got to crack the whip. Sometimes you have to be defiant on this is and not defiant, but you have to just stand your ground on this is, this is my foundation, this is going to be my rules, and this is how it's going to be. And, yes, some people are going to leave, but people are going to come back. Some people are going to fight it, but eventually they're going to jump in line and get along with it. And that's what every coach has to do, which is why I was like, them winning 11 games, that all started from this spring, which is what Dion basically was telling you anyway. You better give me this spring because when this fall get here, that's what's happening. And that's what that what was happening on that practice field with the kids that couldn't play this spring, and it, he's seeing what he got. He's, they seeing what they got. Them kids out there fighting with each other, working hard with each other, this brotherhood, this bond, this sweat, that's what they were developing. So when they came to this season, a lot of that stuff was already in place. Yes, it was still new faces and new people coming in. But the the core of the team had already been built. The foundation of it had already been built. And you can only go where your leaders go. And he was able to get those key names to buy in. And that's the reason why they're where they are now. Because had he not been able to do that, we wouldn't have living wins. Then they'd been like, y'all experiment failed. Mm -hmm. But because he he, the way he handled it, that's why – the 11 wins was able to there. That's why we were able to do what we were able to do. That's why this, this team, you don't see this team fighting each other. You see this, this team holding each other's heads up and saying, next man up, we better go get it. And that's the difference. Right. Yeah, there was definitely a, a culture change there. That's what Coach Prime did when he uh, came in. Remember when he came in, there was uh, a couple of guys that he removed from the team because of misconduct. And fans were, you know, wondering, wait, why, why is he doing that? But uh, Coach Prime had a vision. So let, let's talk a little bit about, a little bit more about Coach Prime and uh, the impact he's had on uh, not just the teams but the SWAC and, and black college football um, in general. He's always talked about leveling the playing field for HBCUs. Uh, you played at that Power Five level. So what do you think of the strides he's made so far? And what are some of the things that are needed on an HBCU level in order for us to really – level this playing field, so to speak. So, you know, you can hear a lot of different stuff. Uh, like I said, me and LaBrose Hedgeman were back in town for the SWAG championship, and we went we went up to the Walter Payton and stuff on Sunday, the day after the SWAG championship, and just to kind of see some of the changes. We hadn't been on campus. LaBrose went to uh, – he was at Notre Dame. Obviously, I, I had been in Missouri, but he was also part of that 017. Uh so we were there, and we were just we were walking through with Coach Scott, who was our strength and conditioning coach when we were at Jackson State. But now he's the director of athletic facilities on campus. Coach Scott was just showing us and telling us what was happening in the Walter Payton. They're putting a, a clinic in the Walter Payton. They have the athletes' uh, feet like they their own cafeteria, their own lunch room in the cafeteria. Like they showing us what they're putting. They're turning half the Walter Payton into a straight football stuff putting up the football coaches' offices and putting up where the meeting room is going to be at and where the new training room is going to be at. All the stuff that he was talking about and showing us was stuff that you like, this is what you see at a Power 5 school. This is what you see at FBS school. You go in there, they have a training table. They they walk through, and I I went with one of our players that's going to Texas A&M, and I walked through Texas A&M. You, you get to, they show you their training room. They show you their locker room. They show you their uh, their training table as far as where the kids eat at. They show you the meeting rooms. They show you all the different stuff that is going to be attractive to some kids. So you never know what certain kids is going to be attracted to, whether it's the coach. And we see that happening at OU with kids following Lincoln Riley. But you, yep. you, whether it's the coach, whether it's the school, whether it's the uniforms, whether it's the – it's whatever. And – He's been doing that because some a lot of this faith a lot of kids go to Oregon just for the uniforms, right? They go to get all the different combination of the uniforms, and that's something that is appealing to kids. 
that's really appealing to Dion because that's always been his style. He's a have a little swag on him. So he added all that. I, could, I like I found something else about the helmet, about him spending. He was like doing a, a cost analysis uh, with helmets and getting getting new helmets and housing. He was like, well, if you if we move some of this money to get our kids new helmets, then I house the kids a certain way. So you know, it's it's a lot that that's happening that's on the top notch level. But what I like about things that Dion do when he does it, he does he does everything on the A one level. He don't do anything half stepping. He don't go in there any half cock. Everything that he's doing is on a half is on a top notch level, one hundred ten percent. And that's what he's doing and bringing in a Jack State. And I think other schools are now trying to do that. And I think uh, Ashley, our AD, he had already did that with Prairie View. Their facilities, right. when when I grew up in Texas, it was nothing good about Prairie View University at all. And when we went there to play them, we played them, and I thought it was a cow pastor in 07. But, you know, they, I'm just being honest. And they, <laughs> he done sit there, and he helped formulate or build that school. He helped put that new facility up there. He helped do all that. Now he did that at Prairie View. What you think he going? He planning to do at Jack State? He planning to do at home? You got to remember this is this is Jackson boy doing this now. Yep. So, would you? They're leveling the playing field. It's great to see bigger names now, bigger black names as far as coaches wanting to get into the to coaching on the HBC level too. I think Hugh Jackson, if given the opportunity, is going to have a chance. But you know, they think they don't know the name of college football. Of HBC <laughs> football, so they say, so they did say. Don't get Mike started. Don't get Mike started. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they yeah. don't want to do that, but, you know, yeah. give them a the chance. Um, you just need a chance. Yeah. <laughs> don't do it, Mike. Don't do it. Yeah, no, no yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll discuss it on another show, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll save my sentiments for the meantime, yeah. <laughs> but they are leveling. They are leveling in the playing field, I think. For instance, I know I know Coach Rollins at Southern. I know him personally because okay. uh, I didn't redshirt. My, I didn't play my senior year of high school. And the first coach, he was at Northwestern State as the D coordinator did. The first coach to come in without watching film or anything, was just like I want to give a young black man an opportunity to get away from Gallatin County, was Rollins. So I respect Rollins mm-hmm. for that. But he, he was dealt a bad hand, which is why Odom's left. Odom knew what was going on, and he was kind of getting out of there. And Rollins was learning on the job, but he he was dealt a, a bad hand. And then I think Dion's effect is starting to help more people. Most most importantly, or most notably, Vincent Dancy down in uh, at Valley. Valley's starting to get those names, and now people are starting to realize that Vince can coach. Now Valley ain't yeah. the Valley that you put on the schedule, and you know that. Okay, we for the go. We for the beat them. We ain't even worried about that. It's just a game that we for look good in. Valley played everybody mm-hmm. tough. They played everybody tough this year, and that's going to translate well for them going into next year. And it's already translating well into the kids that they're starting to pick up. Because it ain't really a lot going on in the building, but they're starting to get mm-hmm. them names because of the high profile that now we're starting to get at HBCUs. Right. And, and I want to go back to something real quick that you mentioned. You talked about the team now with all the facility upgrades, having their own separate eating area or cafeteria. And I know a lot of the Power 5 programs, that's something that they have. Now, when the last time you came on the show, you talked about the differences in nutrition between the Power 5 and the SWAC. Recap that for our newer listeners real quick who may have missed it. And, you know, talk about the importance of having proper nutrition. Coach Prime came in and immediately fixed that. He has the kids eating right now. So talk about the importance of that. So I, I mean, I'm from the South. I now I grew up, I grew up on soul food, but soul food ain't the best type of food to function as an athlete on a regular basis. So it's just right. different. I when I went to when I was in Missouri, all you can eat buffet style cafeterias, uh, and it was. You can go from baked chicken to some type of steak. Like you had a whole wide variety from the fruits, the salads, the different type of meats, the different, some of everything 
juices, uh, sodas, primary, anything you could want, you got there. When I came to Jackson State, and I I never stayed on campus, but when I would go into the facility, like all I was getting served was home style soul food. And I'm like, what's what? Uh, what else stuff at? Like all all we got was that. But then the, the biggest difference between those two, as far as this, this uh, the cafeterias or what we ate is the night for a game at University of Missouri, we got lasagna and filet mignon, like steaks. We got lasagna and steaks all cooked at different uh, variety of levels. When I was here at uh, Jack State, I was getting fried chicken, a cold fried chicken in a bag, getting on the bus for the drive six hours to Houston. Like, it, it was a tremendous difference in that aspect, and it, it plays a role in the way our kids are shaped. And I say that with it's a big difference between six, six foot three, three hundred pounds at an HBCU and six foot three, three hundred pounds at a, a PWR, a Power Five, should I say? And what I'm saying with that is, it ain't as much flabbiness going on. Them guys ain't. We crack jokes. I just think about Ricky Smiley when he be thinking about the dude that's playing the bass drum. He be cracking jokes about the big dude that's playing the bass drum and how, how big he is, and he really looks sloppy. You don't have that the sloppy-looking linemen or the sloppy-looking bodies at the bigger schools than you have at the small school. And I think and that goes back to nutrition because they're giving you all the right stuff to fuel your body afterwards. When I, when I was at Jack State, it was we worked out, now you're on your own. I didn't have you didn't have the Gatorade shakes, the protein bars, and all that readily available for you to take to put into your body immediately after workouts. Now they do, so that's a that's a tremendous difference in in the recovery aspect and the building muscles and just the staying healthy. Yeah, I agree. I heard Jimmy Smith speak on that uh, a number of times when he would come to Jack State and uh, share his knowledge with the team. He said, "Hey guys, you need to be a little bit more dis- disciplined with your." with your diet and, and your nutrition. And uh, the thing was, we did, we did not have the resources at the time to uh, assist those young men and, and young women with that. So uh, it's good to see that the turn of tide kind of changing now. Um, you know, I don't know if it's, you know, it's, if it's because Coach Prime brought it to our attention or it's just um, the way things are in the world now where people are more conscious of, of what they put in their bodies. But it, it is good to see that happening. And that was something that, uh, that, that was an issue uh, for a long time with us, you know, cause as you mentioned, we had some guy that's six five, three fifty. But uh, what 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 good is that size and that weight if it's you know if, if if you don't have nutrition to back it up to have that endurance and that stamina to to play a full four quarter? So uh, it's good to see that change. I definitely agree with that. All right, all right. Good stuff, man. Well, Dominique, man, you know we always enjoy having you on the show, man. You provide a lot of insight and. You're unfiltered, man. You tell it like it is, man. You don't, <laughs> you don't hold back. You don't bite the tongue. But we love it, man. That's what we want. We want to keep it real. That's how Coach Prime is. You know, he, it, it, it is what it is. He'll let it be done. So, man, thank you as always. Before we let you go, man, let's have a little bit of fun with it, though. Especially since you like to keep it so real. Let, let, let's see how real you can keep it, DJ. Okay, so 2007 championship team, 2021 championship team. Let's put them up against one another. Let's break it down. Let's look at these matchups. Who's better in what area? <laughs> let's talk about it. Let's start right there with. Let's start right there with you, DJ, Mister Former NFL cornerback, all swag. We know the resume, but man, we got a group of receivers over there. Uh, I'm 21 team. Why man ain't catching nothing? Oh, why man ain't catching nothing? That's how I'm coming out the gate. gate. Out the gate. That's how I'm coming out the gate. I'm calling his name out because the young man is bald. He gate. put his name out there. So, and I step on the field, I'm calling up. I'm calling for Wyman. I'm telling him, come over, come over here. That's the one I want first. Then yeah. I'm going to tell Seven to come next. And whoever else step up, tell him to bring him on too. Yeah, because for a man. Shador going to throw the ball to him, but that's who he want to go to. So that's where I need to be. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you, you you prefer man coverage or zone coverage or just whatever, whatever, whatever. I was, a, I was an off man. I was an off man. See, I I don't. I think our kids they play very very well, but we're a deep ball team. See, eliminate the deep ball and and make them have to beat me with something short in front of me. Now 
I'm going I'm gonna say this. And I love two different styles of quarterbacks. But that Shadir can put the ball out there, so you know, you go I'm gonna have to get in shape first. <laughs> Before I go out there and run with them kids, I'm gonna have to get in shape first. But no, so, no man, we're uh, talking about the, the two thousand seven DJ in his prime. I'm not talking yeah, about yeah, yeah. in your prime. Hey, this this prime, this version of me will get him too, because I ain't gonna go out there with him. But yeah, the two thousand seven would have would have got him, no doubt. Oh man, oh man. So what about what other matchups you want? You got one, Mike? Oh uh, yeah, I got one. Uh, okay, this okay, Magic Man Jimmy Oliver versus this twenty twenty one defensive line. Do you think he could he can shake him off? You think he can he can um you know uh, make some big plays on his defensive line? And he escaped well, that pressure, man. Right. So Mr. That, Houston, that, Mr. That, Houston means business. That's my quarterback. That's my quarterback. <laughs> I, I seen, I seen, I seen Jimmy do some things. I'm not, I ain't putting past, I ain't putting that past Jimmy at all. Or what he couldn't, couldn't do. I ain't putting that past Jimmy at all. So I'm riding with the one I know. Yeah, yeah. He wants yeah, me to ring. Right. That's who I'm riding with. Yeah. Now, now, Corey, you know on on. Um, a previous show, I, I called Jimmy my, you know, my goat QB because I've seen right. uh, a bunch of uh, Mississippi quarterbacks uh, at the high school level, and Jimmy's my top five. We talk about, you know, guys like Steve Miner and, and Brent Favre and all these guys. Uh, you know, Jimmy's my top five. So uh, I'd have to agree. Uh, I think I, I, I think Jimmy can make some plays on his defense. He'll, you know, he can he can he can scramble and you know get upfield uh, when necessary. And then he'll he'll drop back and, and hit his receivers when necessary. So uh, I'm with DJ on this one. I'm gonna keep it like I say. I keep it all the way 100. Those are my opinions about those guys overall. The talent level on this twenty this 21 team is better from the whole perspective. It's better. They're them young men. It's, it's a lot of different type of cats out there. So. Mm-hmm. As a head-to-head matchup, I don't think we get them. But I think we we gonna punch them in the mouth first, especially because they start slow. We gonna punch them in the mouth first, and we just we gonna have to try and ride out to get the decision. But I, I don't think we can knock them out. But I do think that defensively they have they have the better defense, but they play too much man. If, and just be honest, I love some of them, but I think twelve and twenty-eight the best ones. The other ones can get it. They didn't get got by us. <laughs> that's, that's my opinion. Man, we told you, man. They didn't get he, got he by us. Yeah. So who, who was that slot guy we had in 2007? I think it was, was it Carlos Simpson? Carlos Simpson. Where was Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. So, Carlos, so wasn't, Carlos, think, wasn't, yeah. Carlos wasn't very fast, but Carlos was very quick. He was quick. Yeah. He's very he quick. quick. Well, yeah. That'll yeah. be an option. Then you got to remember, Jamar Johnson was sitting out there on, oh, yeah. on one side. Oh, well, Jamar yeah. can go yeah. out there and get the get Jamar, out of yeah. the business. Then you got Chris yeah. Johnson, a big body, Chris strong-handed receiver. You had uh, yeah. T. Jones. Terrence Jones was a little different. He can do some things. I mean, Keith McLaurin, we had some different type of bodies, and I'm I'm being honest. If you look at number-wise and body and height, weight, speed, them guys look way better than us. But they still got to get out there on that field. They still got to step between them stripes. Well, you know, this debate goes on in all sports where you try to put the current team up against a team from the past. We'll never know. I wish we could get in touch with EA Sports or one of these video games companies to put it together <laughs> so we could see at least play out of the video game. But we'll never know. But what we do know is that the 2007 team won the SWAC championship and the 2021 team won the SWAC championship. So we'll take it for what it's worth, take it for what it is. DJ, hey, man, again, we appreciate you for coming back on. And when we pop this Power 5 team, like you said, uh, your first appearance on the show, we're going to have you back. We're going to have you come back. Hey, after we pop a big school, I'm coming on the show. I promise to be, I promise to be sober. I promise to be sober. <laughs> Deal. Well, just, I won't drink no Hennessy. I'm, I'm, I, I let my... Hey, I let my I let my cigar in the stands with about a minute and a half to go in the game. So that just tell you where I was on having fun. So I, I'll be ready to go, and I'm going to be loud and, and rambunctious, but I'll be respectful at the same time. 
meaning I won't cuss. <laughs> Other than that, <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. We appreciate it. We appreciate it. We'll see you in Atlanta. All right, man. See you there. And that'll do it for episode 215 of Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. Thank you to all of our listeners. And again, be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast. Apple Podcast listeners, rate and review the show. And everyone, follow Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club on Facebook and Tiger Talk 1400 on Instagram and Twitter. I can't stress the importance of this enough. We're looking to do some big things with this platform to aid the athletics department. And it all starts with you. Downloading subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show. And tell every tiger that you know. We're on all podcast outlets. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, and so on. And we'll be posting every episode on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. As always, thanks for your support. Go Tigers! Hashtag I Believe. Hashtag The I Love. ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done